Welcome to SaltCast. Uh, my name is Bob Turner, and I serve as the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, or SALT. And again, as I mentioned last week, uh, we are visiting with Brother Thomas C.L. Thomas. Thank you for joining us and being here with us today. Glad to be here. We talked about a number of areas last week, mostly that were culture-related and the deterioration of our culture from a, a world's perspective and how that's influenced leadership in the church. And we have, I, I know that you have talked about the importance of being real and being relevant. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I look at the country that we live in today, and I think about the, the fact that it is a multi-ethnic culture that we have and that exists mm -hmm. in the United States, uh, obviously, there are incredible immigration issues that exist on a political level. They're trying to deal with all of that. We're seeing it in the church as well. And, and I realize that racism exists at a number of different levels. The challenge for me is that it seems as though when we look at leadership, that there seems to be a denial of the existence of racism, yeah. uh, whether we're talking about an issue of black and white or we're talking about the influx of the Hispanic culture that's coming into our country, uh, obviously Asian culture that's coming into the country. Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's on a number of different levels. And as I have mentioned, it, it really frustrates me to visit a congregation or visit a community and, and you have a black church, you have a Hispanic congregation, you have a white congregation, and the list goes on. And that, that's not what we find in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like for you to spend some time to talk about and maybe discuss how can we raise a greater awareness of the racism that exists in the church for leaders today? Okay. Um, I think that if I were to, to walk through it, I think one of the issues that uh, prevents awareness perhaps is how systemic racism is and, and, and especially American racism. I genuinely believe that there's a writer by the name of Soon Chan Ra who articulates it yes. very well. And he describes that the, the American issue in, in a book in particular called, um, uh, I forget the name of the book, but in it, he describes three major things. He says that American, the American cultural construct is developed by individualism, consumerism, and racism. And that individualism makes things all about you. Consumerism, it, it feeds the avarice of uh, the, the American mind. And racism is the byproduct of that, one of the byproducts that just kind of makes that pendulum where it is. But in describing racism, he goes through the history of what made America where it was. And it did not start that way. As a result of this avarice and this consumeristic mentality, Racism became an overlay and that overlay was used or I'm sorry, that overlay was stabilized by religion. So the Bible then was used as a tool to sign off and justify racism. So in this mentality of racism becoming a part of America's culture, it was signed off by the word of God itself by individuals who took the word of God. And of course, they misused it and they abused it and they twisted scriptures to support their consumerism and, cons and to support right. their, their overall desire of having capitalism take place over cotton. Uh, resultantly then, at the genesis of this country becoming what it is, its programming is developed by the mentality that says the one ethnic group 
is lower in value. In fact, if you tease out racism, it goes so far as to suggest that anyone with, um, you know, anyone of color is not only human, not human. Anyone of color is something else. They are material. They are simply that. So you take hundreds of years of a culture believing that a people group aren't people. A people group are lesser beings. A people group are are meant to be treated as material and tools and uh, beast. And their caricature is that they are unhuman and their the the stereotypes and everything else that comes with that. Over the course of years, as much as we may want to say now on this side of time, oh, that's not the case. It's programmed. So when I say systematic, I'm saying that one of the first steps is to admit that in our operating system right. is a is a sub program that would teach you that if you are of color, any of those groups, if you are of color, then you are less value of one who's not. And the other extreme, just to be fair, is that those are of color are taught that those that are not will always treat you this way. So there's a tension there that's programmed. And if we're not cognizant of that, we'll walk through thinking naively that just because it was a Martin Luther King or a Barack Obama or a John F. Kennedy or a Bill Clinton, that that would suggest that these things are not the case. That's a lie. The tokens that we've received don't take away from the tension of decades or hundreds and hundreds of years of programming. Within the church, then, the other element is that the same individuals who've been authority in creating the problem are an authority on orthodoxy when it mm-hmm. comes to religion. Yes. And so as a result of it, white is right. And white is right with regard to the Bible. White is right with regard to anything else. And so that mentality is there. It's a part of our programming. It's a part of our thinking, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, no matter how nice, how kind, how socially sensitive we may be, that tension is always there. And since and since we are asking the question, how do you get beyond it? How do you become aware of it? How do you navigate beyond it or navigate forward with it? The first step, I think, is acknowledging that this is a real situation. Yes. Whether you're in an older generation or younger. Now, granted, the younger generations, as we've talked about before, they are probably not as prone to function out of that because of their reaction to it. Nonetheless, it's still apparent. It's still there. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting to me that I have seen um, this, this idea that not just necessarily between people of color, but the idea of economically, mm-hmm. politically, mm-hmm. that we tend to create this idea that we reach out to the people who are like us. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're afraid to reach out to those who are different from mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with the book by the Arbinger Institute called Leadership and Self-Deception. Mm. No. It's it's a very interesting book and it and it talks about this concept of we uh, kind of a choice diagram. We we're faced with making a choice of what we know to be the right thing. And when we honor that sense, then things work well. If we don't honor that sense and we betray mm. our, that, that choice that we know we should make and we get into this box right. of self-deception. Right. And when that happens, it changes the way that I think. It changes the way I feel about myself. It changes the way I feel about others. And it ultimately changes my worldview. Mm. And when that happens, then the result is 
as you just mentioned, I end up treating people as objects yeah. rather than seeing them as people. Yeah. And and the end result of that is is devastating. And when that happens in the church, it's even more so because, as we've talked about, that wasn't the design. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ didn't die for the church to be segregated. Right, right. And and we know that the integration of the church was challenging the first century, mm-hmm. but we've somehow continued to con- to do that mm-hmm. and to keep that complicated. And we felt like the best answer was then let's keep everything separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think even in the in that notion, it, it, some of the writings or some of the literature that are in response to it are also uh, key. You know, in 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 Ra's book and also in the book by a guy named Paul Griffin, they they both look at the reactions of the same group that were the authority now working to try to bring a medium, a happy medium. One of the dilemmas, though, is that in an effort to say we're all supposed to be together, that that equates in the mind of other ethnic groups that we're all supposed to be the same. And same is not the same thing as together. We can be together, but it should not be uh, colorblindness. Colorblindness suggest that color also has no meaning or that ethnic groups also have no significance when really what we find in scripture or at least Thomas's take what we find in scripture is that this is that there is a celebration of the bouquet of the rainbow around the throne of God yeah we're all around the throne of God but God celebrates and we are celebrating uh celebrating God in our ethnic uniqueness yes and that ethnic uniqueness and the Unity of ethnic uniqueness doesn't mean that we're colorblind or there is no color. I completely disagree with that. What it means is, however God made you, we can't give laud to God unless those uniquenesses are all in harmony together. So that ethnic diversity is like the bass, soprano, tenor and alta in music. When they all come together. There's beautiful harmony, but that doesn't mean you speak monotone when you sing monotone. Nobody (laughs) wants that. Uh, No sound that's any significance is coming without harmony. I think that's what we're missing as well. Right. Well, when you talked about the idea of being real and relevant, it's it's embracing the differences that exist Mm -hmm. and realizing that Christ brings us together as one in those differences. Yes, sir. And and what a difference that makes. So what would you suggest i mean i realize that bringing an awareness mm-hmm. to the racial differences and and even addressing the tension that exists because of them but what would you suggest to leaders to help them overcome some of those areas within the church when they recognize it or when they see it yeah i, I think from from my particular context one of the things that we've made effort to do uh, especially going back to the real and relevant notion is finding out where people are with regard to their their own personal tension. And that's a difficult thing. And I hate to keep reiterating the gravity of an authentic relationship, but it's there. I, I genuinely believe that the solution behind any tension, even when you look at scripturally, when you look at the first push or the first frustration of the church and even the second major frustration of the church with ethnic differences, It was the need for individuals who could relate and are relatable with those differences. Acts chapter six, the the uh, the widows or those individuals that were neglected. Why were they neglected? We don't like to admit it, but there was some ethnic tension that caused neglect. And so what was the resolve? Find those who can 
still remain anchored in Christ and yet communicate according to their needs. Same is true with us. We have to be a people who can still be anchored in our worldview and yet meet an individual in their ethnic unique uniqueness. Acts 15, same kind of concept. The struggle that was coming up was not only with the Jews wanting to remain in their Jewish um, um, cultural celebration, but now the question of, well, what do we do with this new Gentile influx? Mm. And so the compromise or the, um, the, the meeting of where they were caused a dilemma. In fact, that's one of the only times you read in scripture that apostles, elders, and the church were like, we don't know. <laughs> but, but the answer was, <laughs> the response was, well, we can't not have a relationship. Yeah. And so let's send individuals that are unique and can mm. communicate that, look, we're different, but we need to keep these things in common. Um, and I think that that's where we are now. Celebrating the differences while relationally remaining unified has to be the key. And I think leaders will have to step out. Some of them are going to be stretched. Some of us are going to be challenged. But the main the main goal is anchor yourself in the Christian worldview while looking for celebrating those unique ethnic differences and being okay if those differences aren't something that you like, you know? Yeah. I think those are the key, but I, I would go back to relationship and I certainly would go back to being anchored in the Christian worldview. Yeah. Taking time to get to know one another. Yes, sir. What a, what a, a, novel what a concept. concept you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, one last question um, and, and we'll wrap up. What do you see as being the greatest challenge today, 21st century, for leadership in the church? I believe that if I were to pinpoint one thing, I would say the the ignorance of the average church leadership to the pull and influence of technology, social media, and um, the generations that they're now called to lead. Those three things, I think, are 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 major markers. If if you track trends of churches that are on decline, the generations of those declining churches are all the same. Hmm. There's no major church movement that's taking place where there are Xers, millennials, Zs down, um, where you find that that leadership is not dynamic and adaptive and culturally sensitive, and socially sensitive, active and 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 even activist, you don't see those churches in decline, but you do see that the decline has an as a unique, consistent barometer of being an older generation who's pretty stagnant, not very dynamic, one dimensional and non visionary. Mm. And so I would suggest that in light of the question, I'm going to assume that you mean those churches. And in light of that, They've got to become more aware of the generations they're dealing with and more aware of technology and the import of social media and technology on the world that they're now called to lead. Well, Ignorance of that yeah. is going to well, perpetuate you kind of my, my follow-up. I was going to ask, what have you seen or what would you suggest to address that? And, and you, you answered that. So. Yes, sir. But I, I can't thank you enough. I, I, again, I know you're busy and... I just appreciate your time thank and you. I, your insight and 
your help in addressing some of these areas that I think are going to be very beneficial yes, sir. to those uh, who are listening in. So, Amen. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for the opportunity. Pray, pray for you and, and certainly praying for your work. And, and I know that God is blessing that and will continue to do so. Amen. Thank you, brother. You bet. And thank you for tuning in and listening to our SaltCast today. Again, my name is Bob Turner, and I, I serve with the SALT program, the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training. And we appreciate you listening in and hope that you've been blessed in the time that we've been able to visit today uh, with Brother Thomas. Uh, and so we pray that you'll continue uh, to tune in each week and that the lessons will be beneficial to you.